Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Weekly Wilson Podcast. You can email the show at weeklywilsonpod at gmail.com. I am your Ontarian host, Brian Wilson, and today Jay is busy off making very important life decisions. He doesn't have the bandwidth to do a podcast this week, so joining us in the studio we have all the way from Denver, Colorado, Ryan Hillier, back on the pod. Ryan, how you doing? I'm good. Good to be back. Yeah, good to have you back. Um, honestly, I'm excited just to like talk to you about what's been going on in life, because as close as we are, we really don't talk that much. I know. Well, don't get too excited. There's not yeah. too much new. <laughs> <laughs> give, me, give me top three. Top, top one. Top, top one? Well, that, that makes it hard. <laughs> We'll start with we'll um, start with the top one, and then we can go from there. So I have climbed the pseudo corporate ladder at the pub that I've been working at. I started as a server, then I got trained to do middle management, and now I am officially a general manager. That I don't I'm not a salaried employee, so I'm not like the main guy there, but I'm in charge when I'm on when I'm on a shift. So it's uh. Okay, a like you're strange. the guy. I'm the guy. I have no one like, else I can ask Like only the to. most... <laughs> okay, yeah, I was going to say only the most serious issues get escalated to you. Yeah, well, and then, I mean, I like, do have well, superiors that I can call, but... Uh-huh. They but all, you have to call. I have to site. answer all the questions, and that's a little scary, so... Yeah, so it, when people say, I want to talk to your manager, is that you, or are you, like, one level above that, even? I can... It depends on who's around, uh, me and the... We call it the manager on duty or mod or shift lead or whatever you want to call it. Um, both of us can deal with those scenarios, but I do have to deal with, especially the really bad ones that even the mod doesn't want to have to deal with. It's now the GM's Oh, problem. boy. Yeah. <laughs> That's fun. The best. So then how how high up the corporate ladder do you have to climb to be in one of the salary positions you mentioned? Uh, technically, if I worked there long enough and they needed help opening a different restaurant, it'd be a possibility. I don't know if I'm all that excited about that, uh, just because it's a tough industry. And then also being salaried in that industry means you're working a lot of hours that you probably won't be accounting for. Um, yeah, it's hard to go from the hourly freelance lifestyle to (laughs) (laughs) not getting paid for the extra late night hours that you have to work so but i it's a really cool place to work and the reason i'm still commuting to this restaurant that's in boulder and i live in denver um they the team is really fun to work with i don't know yeah because how long is that commute that's like 40 minutes or something i can get there in 30 usually if i don't hit traffic um, because it's kind of on the edge it's on the south edge of boulder um so it's closer to me than boulder itself but and I live kind of on the northern side of Denver, so like, it works out. But it is like an hour every day, every time I work. It's like yeah, a total, <laughs> total some hour of commuting, and some of those commutes are at like two in the morning, which are, well, they're not like there's no traffic, but it's also like, <laughs> yeah, a little sad and quiet. Not, yeah, not the ideal commute. Yeah, but other than that, there's not too much new. I uh, I've started. I've expanded my plant care uh, routine. Not routine. I've, I've expanded my plant portfolio into uh, terrariums. Oh. 
Oh, okay. Which are little glass, you know, enclosures that you can, you build like an almost self-sustaining ecosystem within these little enclosures. And you just put little plants and you can make them look like little, I don't know, you can, you can, it's basically a miniature landscape that you can design, which is kind of fun. Yeah. For me, because okay, yeah, that I'm sure that yeah, that really scratches the uh, landscape <laughs> architecture itch for you. Uh-huh. And there's no, there's no one telling me I can't put a little fairy garden in one side of the thing, or uh, <laughs> put like a dinosaur uh, toy to make it look like uh, Jurassic Park or something. So yeah, so is that like uh, more of a like growing plants kind of project for you, or is it kind of like an art project? Like which side do you lean into? I feel like it's a little bit of both. Um, right now, I'm I'm still pretty new, so I'm I'm kind of experiment, kind of experimenting with like the type of plants I use, and which ones are successful. So I'm I'm making a bunch of these, also because I have just jars all over the place, and so I, I make a bunch of these, kind of place like them jars in different... of plants. Well, no, like cool jars or like a a whiskey bottle is kind of a cool thing to use to make a terrarium because. It's almost like a ship in a bottle, but you have little trees and little grass. So like, oh wow, that's interesting. Yeah, like it it opens it opens up opportunities like to with, make things cool. I think. Yeah, in a whiskey bottle, would that be like a really small one? Because yeah. I picture like a fish tank kind of. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. okay, yeah, it's more. I'm making little miniature ones with like leftover jars from different things. So like, um, if I had a juice or something. Because I'm, I'm not going to buy, I don't want to buy the equipment for it necessarily, and you don't have to. You just need mm-hmm. soil, a good substrate, and some plants and water. And sometimes you can put mm-hmm. little insects in there that will also like eat the mold that grows inevitably. And then you seal it off so it's its own enclosed ecosystem. And like the evaporation just continues as the plants grow, parts of the plants die, start decomposing. It's, an, it's a cool little huh. cycle. But... Yeah, that's really interesting. Again, yeah, like I don't know which plants survive as long. So it is kind of an artistic expression, but it's also right now it's very like uh, prototype, prototypical. I'm <laughs> just yeah. waiting to see what okay. what works. And eventually I think it'd be kind of fun to set up like art booths where I can sell terrariums, random things that I make in within a theme and uh, photographs in custom prints. Okay, so you're... So you're on the bottom of the learning curve right now, is what I'm hearing. Oh, yeah. I have. Before I start selling these things, I feel like I have a long way to go. And I don't know if I care to sell mm-hmm. them. They're just kind of cool little gifts you can give. But, like, in the scheme of things, from a capitalist point of view here, it's not they're not that hard to make. You probably get a lot of glass jars and jugs or, like, bottles, etc. from just life. Like, you buy a soda bottle or you buy a... Mm-hmm. Um, like salad dressing comes in kind of cool looking bottles or sometimes pasta sauce comes in mason jars so you just save those mm-hmm. and then put your plants in make it look nice kind of let it live for a little while so it like establishes its roots and then you're good huh yeah. i'm very intrigued how did you get into this i saw a couple of videos on instagram and thought that I was like, wow, that looks cool. I want to make one of those and then started oh. digging. And like, I already have a pretty. The, the, the algorithm at work. I know. Tim, or not Tim Cook. Uh, <laughs> what is it? What's his name? Mark Zuckerberg. Who owns Instagram? Just guiding all of us into. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I recently started um, in the morning. I'll check. 
I guess there's a Google app. It's not like a web browser, but it's like an app just for like Google search, which then I imagine it takes you to the Chrome app once you search something, but I don't really know. Either way, when you open it up, it has like news articles, I guess, Mm -hmm. that are just like uh, tailored to obviously what you search, like Google knows who you are. And I started actually like scrolling through those and I'm like, wow, this is incredibly acutely in tune with what I want because it's all about like pokemon and anime and that's (laughs) and then like nuclear news right because that's what i work in and then i feel like there was one other thing it would touch on but yeah i'm just like wow like i don't think i necessarily google stuff about this i guess i like google crunchyroll and then go to crunchyroll to watch yeah the shows and then it knows what i'm watching i don't know and the amount of time you spend on it probably it's like you were on this site for so i need yeah I want to get to the point that I can just be like, like ask Google what, like, hey, what hobby should I get into? You know me. Like, what do you think I'll like? Just tell me. <laughs> Not to get us down a rabbit hole, but what are your opinions on uh, ChatGPT and like the rise of AI, supposedly? Oh, yeah. I haven't dug much into that. I've seen a lot of stuff about it. Uh-huh. But, I mean, it definitely raises a lot of kind of moral, I guess, moral questions or like legality questions right because it seems like it can kind of create its own content oh, I know. as long yeah. as you give it the right prompt so then it's like is the person who made the ai the author creator or is the person who prompted the ai the creator or mm-hmm. is the ai itself just the creator right so that's the main thing that i've thought of but other than that i've just thought like the ability and the power of ai is becoming more and more obvious to me and like certain applications that it could have and stuff Mm -hmm. because i thought of okay so this ai is drawing on the internet as a whole basically to um provide whatever answers and information it's giving so i was like if you could get like industry specific ais that would be incredible because one of the things i have to do in my job is whenever we're at an outage we have like it's like we do three hour jumps so it's like all right in the next three hours here's what we're going to be doing And then we have, like, scripted briefs and checklists and all, like, mistakes that have been made in the past that we go through. And we're, like, in in our brief to be, like, hey, this has happened before, so make sure this doesn't happen. Like, here are the key steps where it's, like, if we do that wrong, something significant can happen. So, like, focus there. And we have, like, decades and decades of mistakes that have been made and, like, uh, unique things from plant to plant that are different And it's like, if you could dump all of that information into an AI, and then you could just go, hey, we're about to remove this thing, give us a brief. Yeah. And then it could pull on all the information from forever and be like, here it all is. Right. Really, I was trying to think, how could I make myself obsolete with this? (laughs) That's the goal. (laughs) But not really. Just kind of like, how could I make my life easier or make my work better with an AI? Well, yeah, I mean, in that context, it's huge because you don't need, even if you still have, like, people filtering and, like, observing that data, that, the like, previous data from different repairs that involved that mechanic or that piece, um, it's really just a tool, and it, it provides a, a full list of all the information versus, like, you might miss a couple articles that could be crucial to determining whether it's going to be fatal or not to remove that piece of equipment um or like what what could go wrong like you miss one or two pieces just by like accident or just because it's hard to 
parse through data uh, like within a time period or something like if you could outsource that that's massive because all of a sudden you've mm-hmm. you have very low doubt that the algorithm missed something yeah but, and i guess i don't know how all that works like how you set up the database that the ai is drawing on because i just think like oh take all the files like all the pdfs and word documents that ge has and like quote unquote load them into the ai like i don't know how that works um, think, or like i don't know yeah. how chat gpt is like drawing on the internet like does that have to be formatted in some way or are you just like here's the internet like read it all and then use it to answer our questions yeah i think it's learning the the theory i think is that it learns as it is tested that's why they outsource their testing um because it it's supposed like crowdsource yeah they're supposed it's looking through it's not great with extremely technical content but it can it does parse through i don't know how it does it so fast but it supposedly uses similar search queries and like can scan text in documents and and on websites in order to make yeah like it can read basically which is wild but then so that's the other thing is all the ways when i was first playing with it by myself Mm -hmm. I was just like, hey, what's the best yada yada or how could I blah blah blah. And I got to a point where I was like, is this just feeding me like the top result on Google? <laughs> I mean, it could be. Yeah. Like, is this just is, is it just like making it easy, like taking that top result and just delivering it to me in a way that's conversationable and like a direct answer? Right. Because even if it's just that. I'm happy with that. But I mean, that's kind of what like Siri and Alexa are too. Yeah. Or it's just like, Hey, like, uh, I don't know how many cups are in a gallon or something. Right. (laughs) What I found was very, well, it's really cool, but also a little disturbing is when you ask it a prompt, like, Hey, Logan did this for me. It's write a, a blog bio for a, uh you know young male living in denver with his dog that freelances as a photographer and got a degree in landscape architecture right so it's it's basically like make Mm -hmm. a bio profile for a personal page for me and yeah it was good like it's not like it was just spitting out information like it wrote a well-crafted um bio based on like what other bios of similar like what a like if you go on a it it would take maybe the top ten about pages on Denver photographer websites and made mm-hmm. and and like of course it's not like something I would ever say because it sounds a little too typical it's like growing up in Ohio yada yada loves to yeah loves to take his dog out into the mountains it's like I I'm still not gonna say that like that's not personality yet but it was cool how good it wasn't concocting that based on very little information right like it didn't Mm -hmm. it didn't get the storyline from the question it just made something sound good that was yeah and that's what's interesting yeah that's yeah that's where i think it's really powerful and really like something to think about because the other the most impressive one i've seen too is so i listened to a podcast called house of run which it's not a huge podcast, but it's been very long running. So there's like a lot of inside jokes. There are a lot of like regular emailers and stuff like that. Um, And somebody said, write a script for a movie based on this podcast. And it spit out this whole gigantic thing. It wasn't like a feature length film or anything, Mm -hmm. but it was just, it was like multiple pages at least 
of like and like all of the regular emailers and the ho- the hosts were the main characters. All of the regular emailers were like side characters or like had some part. Like the most prominent emailer was like the villain. Um, and then it brought in like so many inside jokes, so many different things, and like made a a plot based on like things that they talk about very frequently on the show or like very controversial things that come up really often. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, that is amazing. And that's from a podcast, it, all audio. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the, it's not the AI had to have like listened to all of the podcast, which is like 500 some episodes yep. and then understood that and then put together this movie script. And I was like, what in the world? <laughs> Like it was just so incredible. Yeah, yeah. It's so it's a little frightening, uh, just how powerful it is so fast. I feel like is most of it. Mm-hmm. Like we we're not gonna have enough time to catch up to figure out like how whether we need to regulate it or like how we prove the validity of things. Like it it it's gonna shake up a lot of media. Yeah, because that's the other like. thing is can uh like can a ai decipher truth from like fiction right or like can it can it look at multiple people's takes on one issue and decide who's right or who's like immoral or mm-hmm. i don't know well just and i guess a lot of things there is no right and wrong so so it's exactly, like what yeah. like it like if it uh has the entire internet as its input what's it gonna think about like abortion i don't know <laughs> right or <laughs> like how's it gonna advise someone on that and, but from what I've seen, it's pretty good at saying like, oh, I can't give that advice or I can't say for sure or something like that. Mm-hmm. Oh, or another thing, like you talked about, sorry, I keep cutting you off. <laughs> um, when you said like writing a bio for a photographer in Denver, a male, blah, blah, blah. It's like, I'm sure if you asked it to, you could be like, hey, AI, tell me everything you know about Ryan Hillier from wherever you're from. Oh, or right. like a specific person from this specific place. And what's concerning is like we we're trusting right now, like the people that we are making these chatbots that we have that exist at the moment, uh, we could probably guess that they're in good faith, right? Like we, we have some trust because they're putting in some of those safety measures so that it's not infringing on like public information or private information or whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. But there's that's not stopping like one or two people from hacking that code, figuring out how they're doing it, and just using it in the and not putting safeguards on it, right? I think that's yeah that's what scares me. And I'm not I'm not really a pessimist about this. I feel like it is promising and could solve a lot of problems for us. It's just going to be a very like rocky ten years as we figure out how society is supposed to work with this new asset that humanity has. Right. Like, yeah, there's a, the photography community is up in arms because a couple of people have won photography contests using AI building software that doesn't. So it's like it creates a stunning image, but it's because it knows what elements to include in an image. And it's completely artificial. It's not so, even a real photo. OK, that's what I was going to ask. It's like making it out of nothing. Or is it like they take a picture, feed it into an AI and it edits it a certain way? No, I think a couple of them, like, it still creates art. It can. Um, the mm-hmm. examples that they're concerned, I mean, editing, I don't think I care about. That's awesome. Like, let it do, I'd let it do some of my edits. I already kind of uh, have Auto-adjust. Yeah. Um, 
Well, I mean, I have a Magic software now tool. that's uh, there was a wedding where one of my cameras didn't wasn't firing. The focus wasn't firing correctly. It was uh, misaligned. So every photo I took during the ceremony, it was during the processional. So when everyone's walking up, um, mm-hmm. every t- photo I took from that camera, which I used it. Luckily, I was smart enough to use both cameras during that. So I'd like mm-hmm. grab one, take a couple shots, grab the other one, take a couple shots. Um, everything from that other camera was just out of focus. So like the subject was blurry and then like someone behind them was slightly in focus. So oh, man. That, that like I, if ordinarily I'd have to toss those photos and just use the other camera, but I downloaded the mm-hmm. software that uses AI to regenerate pixel data based on what it's looking at. So like it knows what a face is supposed to be. And it can read like the mm-hmm. patterns of the pixel data that it does have to sharpen it and just add more pixel density so that that no area way. and like it's not perfect like it it you can definitely tell it's like kind of artificial but if you adjust the scale just a little bit maybe and then do some side editing on Lightroom that took that image from being thrown out like a, my rating a zero up to like a three which is a three is something I'll publish. Five stars is like uh-huh. amazing, right? So it's not like it's not the best photo from that wedding, but now all of a sudden I can give it to the client because I just yeah. pushed like one or two buttons and it regenerated pixels for me. So that was that's the action movie FBI auto enhance. Exactly. Image. Yeah. It's getting close <laughs> to that point where that's becoming a reality because yeah. I always see that and I'm like, okay, whatever FBI, but uh-huh. that sounds like that's exactly what that actually is. Uh-huh. I mean, I wish they were a little more realistic in those movies where they would show it like you're not going to get a pristine 4K photo of the person's face. You're going to get a summary yeah. and it's going to look a little bit well, I mean, discombobulated. But maybe eventually we'll be able to. I don't know. I was going to say, Ryan, like this is just some free software you downloaded. Who knows what the government has? Oh, I know. <laughs> so <laughs> if anyone has it, it's the FBI. I know. And that's. That's my concern. The other concern I have is that it could generate, like, we, the reason it could be just so dangerous is we don't have a system in place that, other than, like, sourcing your your information to prove or to, like, make valid arguments, right? So if, if you want to make a scientific argument, you cite all these different sources and then you propose the hypothesis, Right. And granted, Uh that's not like being accepted as truth. It's just a theory. All of these are theories. And then eventually certain theories become so mainstream and so well-based in crowdsourced testing that they become, I guess, in our mind, they become fact, right? Like just a known law. A scientific law. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Now all of a sudden you have a technology that can create within minutes – can create sources of data like libraries of data right you can you could create an entire database of reasons why uh or theory like scientific theory studies that the earth is flat right like Here's you could an answer from wikipedia oh, theories are formed from hypotheses that have been hey. repeatedly to tests of evidence which to <laughs> is she listening to you more, they're listening the andrew <laughs> <laughs> but like you could create now we're in trouble. A, a full body of research to support that fact so that someone reading the article can then click on those things and think that it's all scientific law, right? 
like because yeah. there's this entire body of research and that body of research could be manufactured quickly. The other and the real problem is we don't even use that system to fact check our own opinions anyway. Um, we're all just kind of sitting here yeah, like making true. judgments and like it doesn't matter. You'll go back and find your sources later. So it's not like mm-hmm. it's not AI's fault. It's just humanity's fault. But we don't have a new system yet and we're building a really powerful tool to spread more of it. That's what's yeah weird and a little bit concerning just because yeah. we're, we're at the whims of a bunch of people that don't have really any safety checks. It does definitely, it definitely is one of those moments where it's like this new, I guess it's not even new, like I'm sure people that have been, people that are like in the AI community have known what it's capable of and where it's going for a long, long time now, Mm -hmm. but now it's just first kind of like being popularized to the public. Yeah. And it's one of those things where you're like, wow, this is incredible. This is going to change a lot somehow, but we don't really know what to do about it or what to do with it yet Mm -hmm. so then my natural question is okay so who do i invest in right now (laughs) right how do i (laughs) at least ride this wave how do i profit (laughs) you capitalist you but yeah it's gonna be weird (laughs) it is i and this is the last thing i'll say because i know we had a very different topic to talk about on this podcast no it's fine this is this has been great this might end up being the title topic of the podcast okay yeah we could just switch it (laughs) um i can come on in a couple days and do the other topic if you need um (laughs) but the oh shoot what was it? it it's i'm always wondering like are we like the time period that we were born in is fascinating because we have like where a lot of things in global society are kind of at this precipice of um, basically testing to see what's going to happen. Like democracy as an institution in a large and extremely interconnected world has to be tested, has yet to be tested on this scale, right? Like mm-hmm. the Romans and the Greeks had some form of democracy and like we always like to talk about that, but they weren't dealing with like millions of people and Mm-hmm. at the scale and like so democracy at scale is being tested right there's the first time in human history that we have the capability to completely annihilate life on our own planet within instance right like we have weapons that can do that so well i think we've we've been there for like half a century now though right well yeah but in the scale of human history like half a century is nothing that's all that's not even that's like one that's not even someone's lifetime right so within our lifetime yeah. or like our parents' lifetime, we've developed the capability to wipe ourselves and all life off of this planet with the push of a button. So it like that that in of itself is kind of a scary thing, but like the effect that that has is it makes warfare extremely dangerous. But mm-hmm. humans have been like a very violent society, whatever. Like we're a violent species. We fight all the time. So now for the first mm-hmm. time ever, we have like this reason to all stop fighting with each other because yeah, it's, that's what, and that's huge. I was that's just going to say when you said, the, <laughs> yeah, I was going to say when you said these weapons make war very dangerous, I was like, well, does it make it very dangerous or does it make it obsolete? Because right. it's like, once you start fighting, it's like, okay, guys, we know where this can go mm-hmm. and none of us want to go there. So are we going to keep fighting? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like... 
There's... Where it's like we're all just playing by these rules. It's like we want to destroy each other as much as we can, but we don't want to completely destroy everything. <laughs> right. It's like it's a weird. You're playing by these rules. Phenomenon. Yeah. <laughs> that are just like self-established. Mm-hmm. And it's that, and we have this massive social test to decide whether, like, and what, how does technology integrate into our societies and into our like, into our systems that are pretty dependent on like a freelance media, right? Or like media that is slightly independent from, we just get all of our information from these media channels, I guess, whether it's news or Mm -hmm. the internet or books or like, so what, what role does technology play in that? And we have yet to test that. We're about to become, or we're on a pathway to become a multi-planetary species soon or within our lifetime. So we're sitting like at this very like, interesting time period because all Mm -hmm. of these things are just hanging on the cliff's edge and a few of them could mean have like very dire consequences if we take the wrong steps i'm not thinking that we will i tend to be optimistic about it but it's fascinating so i my question is always like did were we born at like the perfect moment to witness all of this um which is really cool or were we born like just a little bit too early to be able to reap all the benefits like are we going to be that generation that has to go through <laughs> all the hell and like chaos to adjust to this new society and then like our grandkids get to fly to mars on like a weekend trip or something you know and have <laughs> like we all live in this perfect utopia where no one has to work because ai and robots have taken over all the shitty jobs that none of us want to do so now it's just this like weird sustenance like service industry that everyone just helps each other like that yeah, that clearly is not like... going to happen in our lifetime so are we just a little too <laughs> early right well i think it's all just a matter of perspective because the the entire world and society as a whole is continually progressing i think mm-hmm. so there's a lot of things that we could probably look at right now that if you were to take yourself 20 years ago you'd be like oh that's like that would be part of the utopia. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. how good and fast the internet is and how easy it is to just, like, talk to each other face-to-face like we're doing right now. Yeah, yeah. Like, none of this existed 20 years ago. Or, like, cars practically driving themselves mm-hmm. with, like, lane assist and adaptive cruise control. Right, like, all right. these things we couldn't even think about. Um, yeah, so, like, a lot of things, I think, we're already reaping the benefits of. Mm-hmm. It's like, you're always reaping the benefits of the past 20 years and you're always right on the edge of the next 20 years i guess that's fair yeah that's a good that's a better way of looking at it too it's healthier right you're not you're not sitting here like <laughs> yeah think of, <laughs> i want to f- yeah think of what you got not what you're missing <laughs> exactly yeah and it is funny like i feel like you and i our our age group is like the last age group that really grew up in in that transition of like from analog tech to like smartphone kind of or just like Mm -hmm. wildly high-tech personal devices like we're gonna be old men talking about how we used to have to kick the vhs machines because if you hit it it would reset it and it would actually work yeah Yeah, like nowadays if you do that you're dumb because it's not gonna reset anything it's all chip based there's no motor that you have to like shake a little bit or something but that was a Mm -hmm. that's like a crucial part of our like memory of technology is like oh yeah you just hit it around a little while and it'll it'll bump up 
Yeah, try try blowing in the cartridge. <laughs> Get the dust out of there. Right. <laughs> Shake the floppy disk around a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But then, and then the other piece of what you mentioned before, as far as like an adjustment period, like are we going to be adjusting to this chaos and this stuff that came up so fast and out of nowhere? Mm-hmm. It's like, that's another thing is I feel like the world's always adjusting to whatever the big new thing is. It's like... That's true. A um, hundred yeah. years ago, there were the world wars for just kind of like ideology and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And then you had like civil rights for a long time was like the huge adjustment that everyone was trying to figure out. And that was very chaotic. Mm-hmm. And then, I don't know, I guess you had like terrorism was a thing that were like, wow, I can't believe people are waging war if you call it, if you can even call it that in this way. Like, right. here's an adjustment that we all have to live with now. And then, yeah, I feel like lately it's been a very political, like, information-based kind of thing going on. Oh, yeah. And and, and then there's, like, COVID pandemic adjustment Uh that kind of, like, really changed how we all live our lives in the past, in a matter of, like, five years or less. Like, three Mm -hmm. years, really. Right, yeah. So then just add AI to the list, (laughs) honestly. (laughs) That's true. And I I don't... But then, all of that being said, I do think obviously technology progresses more and more rapidly as we go so it's like more adjustments being squeezed into shorter spans of time it's like where do we reach kind of like the critical point mm-hmm. of like we're not adjusting to one thing fast enough to for the next thing to even happen like <laughs> right and that yeah i don't know i generally like to be optimistic about it just because i feel like humans are kind of like cockroaches they're really hard to get rid of so like we're probably mm-hmm. gonna find we're we're we have enough ingenuity to figure out a way to at least con- continue to survive as a species, unless we nuke each other, and then who knows. But like, mm-hmm. there's only a couple of scenarios that really end us completely. Um, it's just curious to see like where, like, do we? We're at we're at that precipice of like, do we devolve back into old systems? Like, um, you could you can almost make arguments that like autocratic or um like uh basically monarchies of some sort like where where you have Mm -hmm. a a ruling family that like that kind of leadership style is probably the most popular and or not probably the most common in human history right so like do we finally it it kind of feels the most natural in a way right like we're biologically i think created to like that leadership style yeah but it doesn't mean it's the best one and i don't I Mm -hmm. tend to think that democracy has its merits, at least, in theory. Um, So, like, we're at that precipice of, like, do we devolve into older governing styles because we just can't make it work at this scale? Like, democracies work better in smaller scales or something, whatever. Or do we invent a new form of government? But, like, do we devolve into a much more warlike society or do we evolve into something where war is obsolete and we don't have to fight each other? Um do we overstep or outgrow our like tribalist need to have like identity that's based on place or upbringing or ideology all of those things like it's interesting because a lot of those things feel like they're coming to a head like if we don't make the right decision in the next couple years or even the next 50 right things could go very mm-hmm. wrong. Like if we make the wrong, a couple of wrong decisions in one of these wars that are either looming or happening currently, where does that lead us down the timeline? It's scary. 
but interesting because we just get to sit here and watch it. There's nothing we can do about it. So we might as well just mm-hmm. be like slight history nerds and read into it and think about how interesting it'll be to have lived through this that they're probably going to be talking about, at least in summary, in yeah. histories later, right? Yeah. And at the end of the day, we are pretty privileged that we can sit here and be like, well, whatever happens, it probably won't matter to me. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So we have to remember <laughs> that, too. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Crazy times. Mm-hmm. And then we all, it's funny because we all love watching these like apocalypse movies, which is mm-hmm. wild because I think we're just, I don't know. I don't, it's a weird oh, yeah. phenomenon, but. <laughs> yeah. That's something I wanted to uh, say was the books that I'm reading right now. It's the City of Ember series. I don't know if you ever heard of it or yeah, read yeah. it. I read it back in uh, high school, I think. Okay. Yeah. There. How many books were there when you read it? There's four books now. I think I read the four of them. Okay, I read it, like, in middle school, I think, and I only read two. But regardless, it was just really interesting because, um, like, spoiler alert, maybe, if you feel like reading it, um, but I'll try to gloss over some of the finer details. Basically, the whole premise is, like, there's this whole, like, city of people, basically, that was built underground that they were like we're going to build this underground city and have people live there for the next 200 years because we're worried that there's going to be a cataclysmic war and that's going to wipe out humanity and we want these people to be here just in case and then um so they're down there for like 200 years and then they come back out and the cataclysmic event did happen but then everyone forgot about the people that were underground so it's like post-apocalyptic, you know what I'm saying, uh-huh. post-apocalyptic society going on. So people are like scrounging for resources, like rebuilding, and then these people come out from underground, and then they like meet the people that are trying to set up society again, and they're like, oh, well, we found out that we were actually here to be society, so happy day. And they're like, well, that's great, but we don't have food for you. But anyways, the thing that was really interesting to me was that like, these people went underground in the way past. So they like didn't have a lot of technology mm-hmm. that the people now had but lost. So it's like the people that were underground, they don't know what like a tree is or a cow. But then yeah. the people on above ground are like, yeah, those are light bulbs. They used to be awesome, but we can't use them anymore because we don't have electricity. And then the people underground are like, well, we had electricity, and, like, we had light bulbs. So it was just really weird of, like, who had what and who knew what was and what was normal to the different groups of people. Mm-hmm. It was a very interesting dynamic. <laughs> I think there's a... Because then they, like, both felt superior to each other for different reasons. Right. Yeah. I love those scenarios. They're, they're fun to play out and just imagine just because there is some realism to them. Like, how would that work? Like, I think about this a lot. It's like how much of the stuff that I have have or have accumulated like would actually be useful if society collapsed for some reason, right? Yeah. Like, next to yeah, none of this is useful. I don't need these computers. Mm-hmm. They're just big hunks of metal if I can't charge them. And even with it, like, why would I want a computer? I don't need a computer. Other than yeah. maybe to, like, <laughs> if the internet is still up and running somehow by some miracle, um, maybe they put, like, a nuclear reactor next to one of the, one of the drivers. But, like... <laughs> Yeah. There's no reason other than information to keep the computer. Like mm-hmm. I and and otherwise you Well, communication if someone else has a computer. That's true, communication. But I feel like 
and I don't know, like disaster. Like how do you get a hold of them? You don't know who you don't know who to talk to. <laughs> right, and like cell towers aren't a thing anymore. So I feel like radio, because radio is so easy to produce. Like we were making it in pre World War Two, right? So like, mm-hmm. it's not a hard thing. Like the technology is not that difficult to make it work. Um, you don't mm-hmm. need a ton of electricity. You don't need a sat- satellite array to be able to s- communicate, right? So like mm-hmm. radio becomes the powerful communication method, but it also limits you to like either long, long range sing- signal, which has its, you need like a tower or something or a short wave, which is like everything around. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. I, I think, a, I think there's like a small part of me that would given a few like midlife crises or something, I would become like a disaster prepper. Not necessarily because I think that a disaster <laughs> is coming, but I just think it's cool to like, I don't know. It'd be cool to have a little bunker or something. Yeah. And, like it's have a project. Skills and be ready. Yeah. But then, then there is a small part of me that like craves that lifestyle. And we might've talked about this during the, our COVID episode when you and I were on. It was like, it's a weird <laughs> phenomenon that I'm like, yeah, it'd be really cool to live in a post-apocalyptic society and i'm like and really in reality like morally that's not correct like if that society exists that means a lot of people have died like everything becomes harder and i I had to do some like deep diving it's like why do i want that lifestyle why does that sound interesting to me because it's not all the other stuff like i don't want society to collapse but i want i think something more simple it's weird yeah. because I mean that's what I was gonna say. I was like, you can you can move out in a cabin in the woods if you want, right? Ryan. Yeah, no, 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 exactly. Yeah, I, I go do it on my own. Like I buy a piece of land, farm for myself, and just live out in the woods. Um, yeah, maybe do fine. it for like a couple months at a time. Uh-huh. <laughs> Scratch that's, that. That's itch. the healthy way to do it. But it's like that that lifestyle is so much more. Like you you know what you have to do that day, right? You have. Whereas, mm-hmm. like, I think my crisis right now is, like, so many of these, so many jobs and things, and, like, we've been told that we need to have, like, passion or whatever for the work that we're doing. But, like, so many of these occupations have no meaning. There's no purpose behind it other than, like, financially bettering yourself, right? Which is fine. Yeah, it's, keep the wheel turning. Right. And whereas, like, if you're a farmer, you have, like, a very simple goal. You're trying to grow food, right? Like... Um, yeah. And I think that in some ways, like the complexity of our modern world, like, and like just how many pointless conversations you have to have with people and like relationships you have to have for no other reason other than like to better yourself professionally. Like the little mm-hmm. hippie in me is like, that's all bullshit. <laughs> Excuse my French. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> you can bleep that out later, but it's like, there's no, all we really have to do is survive and like, and enjoy each other's company that's like baseline Mm -hmm. minimum what needs to happen but we're all playing this game and it's exhausting sometimes right yeah like why do i have to do sounds like a very (laughs) sounds like a very compelling backstory and motive for an anime (laughs) supervillain. yeah that's not good (laughs) why are you trying to destroy society well let me tell you (laughs) oh boy yeah, you can tell I drive long hours in the middle of the night with <laughs> just like <laughs> either silence or music because I can't. 
Yeah. Just like think about weird things. But uh, I don't know. So like living in one of the largest cities in the US, climbing the corporate ladder. I know. Yeah. What's it all for? What am I doing here, man? Um, when really you just want to be a freelance wedding photographer. If if that. That's even kind of weird. <laughs> like <laughs> I I have complaints about almost everything. Um but so it, the in summary, I think like just seeking simplicity is kind of nice because all of this, like it doesn't matter what you do. Your job doesn't matter. All of these things that we're sitting here watching and observing and wondering what's going to happen, like AI, et cetera, like we have no control over. So we might as well just go along for the ride and have fun while we're doing it. Right. And yeah, like that's the point is that it's not there is no real point. You should just enjoy yourself and enjoy the company of the people you're around and et cetera, because and then mm-hmm. just watch and see what happens. Roll the dice. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Like, uh, I feel like with, uh, I don't know, how life progresses, there's so much unknown and things that you can't control. So, like, my driving force, at least for myself, is always like, well, I am where I am and what's happening is happening. How can I just make sure, like, I'm happy on a day-to-day basis? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or, like, at least content and not bothered. Right. Yeah. I think I feel like happiness is too high in order um, from mm-hmm. the like philosophical perspective. We're put on or we have like the capacity to experience all these emotions. And it's almost unhealthy for us to only pursue one. It's not like we should actively mm-hmm. seek out being sad, depressed, like angry, etc. But like when those opportunities come up, I feel like it's not a bad thing to let it happen. It's like that egg theory yeah. like where we're here to experience the full breadth of human experience, right? So, Oh, yeah. Yeah, seeking contentment or just, like, balance and, like, setting yourself up for experiencing as much as you can, I feel like that's that's the best scenario. And then it doesn't matter. You can, yeah. you can do what, whatever job lets you do that, then do it. You don't need to have, like, a passion behind it or any of that, right? Mm-hmm. It's just... Do what you need to do. If you're passionate about something, then pursue it and have fun and do it while it lasts and then find a new one and just keep moving and keep progressing. Yeah. Yeah. I have a lot of thoughts on like jobs and careers and how much fulfillment you should get from them and what type of fulfillment you should get from them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like that might be a discussion for another episode. Yeah. We could go all day on that. I feel like I could go way deep on that. But yeah, Let's I was going to say the whole like, uh, um, just trying to be happy with wherever you are and whatever's going on. I'm like, hence van life, because then mm-hmm. you can be wherever you want and like go to things that are exciting or avoid things that aren't exciting. Right. You get the perfect um, balance. But then, I, but then I was thinking it's kind of interesting because if you look at like life or like the whole world is just like chaos going on and you're trying to like find your way to be happy in it, then I it's, it's funny because it's like two completely different approaches where it's like you can either like settle down somewhere like get a house start a family like just become very rooted there and happy there and you're like yes the whole world is chaos but like this is my rock mm-hmm. and like i'm going to be happy on my rock <laughs> um or the opposite approach is being in a van where you're like okay yeah this is chaos so i'm rather than making myself so sturdy that nothing none of the chaos bothers me i'm just going to be so flexible that I can always adapt to whatever chaos is happening. And I'm like, well, that's that's two very different approaches to arriving in the same place, kind of. Yeah, and I almost like the latter better. I think flexibility is always going to outweigh the 
the bedrock theory because i feel like the bedrock theory makes you pretty inflexible right like things will happen and you can you can batter some storms but certain things will just be so there's just so many things out of your control whereas if you can control your place and your movement and where your community is based then Mm -hmm. you can change everything but but then it also brings on different stressors because um yeah if you're if you're on your bedrock then yeah the stressors are the things that are happening that you have to try to like i don't know prevent or withstand or whatever but then being adaptable all the time is exhausting in its own way Mm -hmm. where it's like you never get that consistency or that routine right and i feel like we're biologically like built to need community need things that like that stability yeah Yeah. like some some form of familiarity with the people around us because otherwise you're constantly in this like defensive mode right like there are some Mm -hmm. people that are more trusting than others but like you never quite dig it's it's difficult to dig deeper and like get beyond surface level relationships without Mm -hmm. time just in general like time spent together time with that person um which is harder to do when you're nomadic Mm -hmm. which is why we need to form a van life tribe (laughs) that travels from place to place together (laughs) i mean i'm i'm not we're gonna we're gonna dig up our bedrock and bring it with us all over (laughs) wherever we go (laughs) exactly the patrick star both strategies boom (laughs) (laughs) yeah like i've always gravitated towards trying to relocate to places that most of my friends are in um i like denver partially because that of that reason a lot of people have relocated here already Mm -hmm. um and more planned to now it's almost like the build it and they will come kind of (laughs) mentality like yeah a couple people go spearhead it like it a lot and then more people move out there and then because more people are there more people will move in yeah you get more momentum Mm -hmm. um yeah like that now when i'm thinking about like moving to different places like that's the major consideration now it's like i don't is friends and family yeah or like i because there might be a time where that's not as important maybe like uh maybe when i'm a lot more flexible to go travel and visit everyone else who's kind of in these scattered places it won't be as important to be in a place that a majority of the people that i like hanging out with are um Mm -hmm. but now it's like okay any move I make now has, I feel like has to be a vertical move in terms of like, I'm getting something more out of the place that I live. So like I already live in a city that has really great access to the outdoors, has a lot of my friends and is relatively affordable while still having the benefits of like a big city. Um, Mm -hmm. whereas like, yeah, I could move to a place that also has an ocean and probably has all of those things. But, like, then it's more expensive, and most of my friends don't live there at the moment because they're either here, mm-hmm. you're all over the place. Um, I think you're the one <laughs> the one asterisk in my friend group. It's like, oh, I don't know where they live yet. <laughs> <laughs> I see them a lot, yeah. though, so that's cool. And then, like, Columbus, right? It's like Denver, Columbus, and maybe New York. But I, I don't really talk to mm-hmm. the people in New York that often anymore. Yeah. So all we have yeah, to do I get is really nervous when I think about where you're going to settle. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. I get really nervous when I think about that because the more and more, the closer I get to it and the more I see people like having kids and like going through that whole yeah. process, um, the more I'm like, man, where you settle down, it's like having the community 
is like the most important thing. Mm-hmm. And yeah, over time you can build a community, but if you're going to settle down and start having kids, I don't know, like you're not going to have necessarily have people in a year or two that you're like, Hey, will you watch my kids? Well, or you're like, watch my child while right. like we go out for the night or something. But it's like, if you're by your parents or like a close friend, mm-hmm. it's like, Hey, can you watch my kid while we go out for a night? And it's like, that's so freeing. Yeah. And like, Oh yeah. Could you imagine that? I'm, they say it like takes, takes, it takes a village to raise a kid. And yeah. yeah, I don't know. Looking at it through that lens lately, I've been like, man, it's really important to be close to friends and family. And like, I understand now why so many people end up moving back to where they grew up or back home because a majority of people never leave or yeah. like a, some portion of people never leave. So then when you're like, where's my community that I want to can move to, it's usually back where you came from. Right. Yeah. I know, and that's what, that also scares me too, though, just because I don't necessarily want to move back to Ohio, <laughs> so. Right, like no, I, I'm there with you. I kind of want everyone to come towards me, if, or selfishly, you know, or, like, they go to somewhere that mm-hmm. I would be willing to move to, um, yeah. so I'm just I feel like you and I are probably to, in the same boat, because, yeah, because <laughs> yeah, you moved out to Denver and love it, so you're like, hey, guys, Denver's great, come move here, uh-huh. and I did the same thing with Wilmington, I'm like, Wilmington's great, or North Carolina's great, like, let's move here, uh-huh. but then, if everyone does that... <laughs> <laughs> someone's got to compromise uh-huh. yeah i think i'm like i said i the only person i think i have to convince is you otherwise all of my closest friends either live in columbus or denver and like i visit columbus so mm-hmm. frequently that it's not that big of a deal to like i can see those friends on a pretty regular basis yeah but like tyler jones even is looking to move to denver so it's like really i just gotta oh, get geez. you to come to denver <laughs> but because oh, man. even I my didn't family realize. my family is like natalie is pretty sure she wants to move to denver um i don't know if that's announced yet or not but she's pretty set on it just because i'm here as part of it and like there's it's a cooler city than like she went from living in paris to living back in silver lake which i feel like is way too much of a mm-hmm. culture shock so she needs at least a little bit of a city <laughs> yeah and then tommy's about to graduate oh, he wants to move and i feel like if natalie and i live in one city that he's considering moving in, he might just move there because mm-hmm. why not and then at that point my parents are going to be like okay well we'll just get a place there and you know spend half the year there or whatever oh, or like hop back and forth it's happening <laughs> they're all coming Shit, to me. i was just i felt like I, I was just starting to get some momentum with my family i feel like into into north carolina so oh i mean uh, the other like this might this might throw a wrench in things <laughs> i feel like my family would consider the east coast and if we did the east coast it'd be somewhere like near north carolina or dc maybe or somewhere mm-hmm. pretty close to that um just because we do like the ocean and mm-hmm. that you can have that kind of lifestyle like in the Appalachians versus here. Um, yeah. Uh, so I don't know. I, I think there is that possibility. And like my family will probably move as a unit for the most part. We're all just kind of mm-hmm. waiting to see where we settle. Yeah, that's where our family is too. And it's really interesting because, mm-hmm. yeah, Sydney and I are doing van life for a little bit. Aaron's in France. Um, Rachel and Greg are waiting to see where he gets his uh, – um, residency mm-hmm. no he's done with that i don't know where he becomes a doctor <laughs> right yeah um yeah so that's awesome yeah i don't know i'm gonna put some plugs in for greg things. to move to denver so then you have one more anchor here 
Yeah, <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> I think he's kind of at the whim of where he gets offers at this point. Oh, but... I know, yeah. We'll put that energy out. But, yeah. It's fun. All right, well, we covered a lot of ground here today, Ryan. We kind of meandered from topic to topic. It got a little deep. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Well, it got I'm, a little uh, fun. Like, I think the, the summary point is that we're sitting, like, at we're, we're just waiting. It's a weird waiting period. Like, There's a lot of new changes that are about to happen either globally or within our own lives too because we're all trying to find ways to settle or do whatever like pick our home base so we're at an interesting point (laughs) wow i'm i'm amazed that you just tied it all together with one central theme do you do you want to take over this podcast (laughs) i'm like you're better at this than jay and i are (laughs) i'm happy to join anytime you want yeah and be a all right well yeah jay jay's actually Jay's actually at a very critical decision point in his life, which, like I said, is why he's not on today. But maybe we can hear about that next week. Uh-huh. And I don't know. <laughs> be good See where we're going. That'll be one step closer to uh, us forming our multifamily compound bedrock edition. It, it has to happen. <laughs> the Wilsons and Hilliers must be in the same state. Mm-hmm. We'll just have to. Well, see once who Bill wins takes the off, then we can all quit our jobs and do whatever we want. So exactly. Yeah, we can have houses in both places. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this episode sponsored by Built. B-Y-L-T. Look it up. Buy some. Not the apparel. Look for the drink. Drink Built. Drinkbuilt.com. Drink Built. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Oh, man. We always get to this point, and then I never know what to do because Jay closes the podcast. Oh, no. And I know if I do it, I'm just going to mess it up. But, uh, all right. I'm, g- I'm going to go for it. So that's all we got for you this week. Um, you can... Find us on Twitter at Weekly Wilson Pod. You can find us on Instagram at Weekly Wilson Pod. We never post anything, but we still appreciate followers. We're kind of in a stalemate right now. We <laughs> said we're not going to post until people start <laughs> responding to us, and I don't think people are going to respond to us unless we start posting. So we'll see who breaks that uh, cycle of self-destruction. But we also have an email. You can email the show at weeklywilsonpod at gmail.com. Until the end of next week, and unless otherwise noted, my name is Brian Wilson. His name is Ryan. Last name redacted. Um, <laughs> and this has been the Weekly Wilson. And that's a wrap. How'd I do? You did great. That was awesome. It feels all like right. it had the flow of all the other ones. <laughs> I don't know if any of the other ones have any flow. Exactly. So yeah, this might be a first. It's on brand. <laughs>